Welcome everyone to a new chapter of the Calisthenics Insider Podcast. More guests, more topics, more value for your workout. And we're starting off with a really good interview with Viktor Kamenov, who is sharing his story about his recent injury that nearly ruined his whole career. How is it possible this thing to happen? Because I was doing it so many times and I felt like in my best shape. He's sharing about how it happened and how you can avoid it in your workout. Let's start into the interview. I've been talking with so many athletes, even gymnasts, because this is an injury that is so common to gymnasts. And they were telling me, oh, man, be careful because, you know, this is an injury that comes when you least expect. Yeah, like you can feel like you're in your best shape. You go down and uh, suddenly it comes. And it comes in a, you know, from a skill that I've done so many times and not from a progression that I haven't done before. So I went for Zanetti, you know, which is the Maltese, two back lever position. And uh, over there, suddenly one of my shoulders just dropped. You know, I felt like something, you know, it's, it's breaking inside me. Yeah. Um, but I started after that looking at what are the causes of that thing, you know, because uh, it's really important to really look at the um, causes of some problems that happened in order not to have them again. Yeah. And uh, in fact, there, it's a mixture of a lot of things, you know. So we need to start from, let's say, the bigger picture, which is more about the overall program that I used to have. And unfortunately, because of all my travels I used to have around the world, uh, my training program was not really consistent. I remember I was keeping even like five trainings on the rings because I couldn't have a rings always with me. Uh, so I had not so consistent training program. Then after that, if we need to go deeper and deeper and go to actually the execution of the move, I remember that I did it a little bit faster. So it's not even about the progression that you're getting, but it's about how you're executing it. So you can get even a progression uh, that's uh, it's pretty easy for you. So in my case, it was a resistant band that with which I could do two, three repetitions without a problem. Yeah, but I went too far, too fast, too aggressive into that move with a straight arm, and of course that led to that injury because it's about also the velocity how you're actually going to that um, to that. Um, move yeah and it's really important for all those uh, strength dynamic skills to also think about the velocity how we're doing that thing because that can make a big problem after so that's why it's really important um, not only you know uh, it's not only about one thing it's a mixture of a lot of things so first you need to start from the general program if it's structured well good if you're consistent to that thing because I had a really well structured uh, program that I unfortunately couldn't do a hundred percent yeah and uh, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Then after that, if you need to go deeper, you need to go day by day. You need to go for the exercises, specific exercises that you're doing. How many sets? How many reps? What are the progressions? And then after that, once you have that progression, which in my case, it was pretty good, you're looking about the execution, how you're executing that thing. Yeah. And also there are some additional things to that thing, which is the nutrition, which of course I can say that, uh, again, the past month, it was not like on a, on a, uh, it was not the best possible. And also something else is uh, dehydration. In the summer, I remember that I was not drinking water at all. And usually when you're not hydrated good, uh, you're way more open to this type of injuries. Yeah, the tendons are way more open to um, to have damage like this, yeah. And you see in the end, it's a mixture of a lot of things, yeah, but uh, it's important to really analyze what's happening, whatever the injury is, because this is my biggest injury. I used to look at those um, things before. I remember having inflammations, but it was uh, not such a big deal. I was thinking that it's a big deal, but after having this one inflammation, mm -hmm. it's already nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but basically, this happened, and after that, uh, I hardly found a surgeon, a surgeon to make the operation because it's a vacation, just like we we talked before the the call. And uh, I had some struggles, like finding a surgeon. Like it's, uh, I needed two weeks to find a surgeon uh, because uh, you know if I delayed even more, it was going to be late. Yeah, so I had to really make it as fast as possible. And after that, uh, you know, they made a surgery. I was uh, not moving my hand till like a few days ago. And currently I started moving it, like doing some, you know, basic, basic work. And uh, probably in around two to three months, I'll be able to be back in the battlefield. And you know, start with uh, with easy stuff, with uh, with the resistance band, with just the dips, with just push-ups. And it's important over here to really um, look at it more professional and not uh, rush the process. I mean, if somebody's telling me, even the professionals are telling me that I need two months, I'll probably take four. I think that's mm -hmm. the smartest way. Yeah. And will you be back at your old strength? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Look, there are two ways in which you can look at the injury, like the the way which is the negative one, like the injury that uh, ruined my career, you know, you can look at it that way, or you could look at it at the positive way, which is the injury that gave me the experience to really not face these type of problems in the future, you know, to face the problem in the, uh, when I'm still young and when I can still rehab fast, or to face the program problem that will make me a better coach, like to be the only coach that is with a torn biceps, let's say it that way. So there are two ways to look at the situation, or you can even look at it like, it, the injury that gave me the time to deal with so many other things that uh, I couldn't find time to do, to improve and so on. Yeah. That's Whatever funny. happened, it already happened. You know, it's a destiny. Uh, you should accept it, but also you should take it as a lesson to know how to continue further. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's that uh, just how you deal with it. And I, I know that I, and I, re I just have to remember how we met in, in Madrid uh, one year ago. Uh, and you, you were also like really already traveling a lot. You uh, one weekend in Italy, one weekend in uh, wherever, like you're like traveling yeah. around every weekend, giving workshops, giving um, yeah, giving uh, coaching. So um, it's a lot of stress for the body as well. Um, and I was always uh, impressed on how you still uh, manage to get your workouts in and keep your level and even even progress. Um, so but yeah, but in the end, as you said, multiple things add up: um, dehydration, um, air traveling, stress, um, maybe not concentrate, being concentrated, being too fast, whatever. And then yeah, this happens. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. You said it. You said it good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, you said it's now. It's about taking the right lesson from it. I think your students will profit from it. Um, the more you analyze the situation, the more you learn from it. The the more you rehabilitate as well. But um, yeah, what are what are the next steps now? Uh, what what is your plan? Well, a uh, lot of plans, but uh, since it's a sport interview, let's focus on that. And uh, my major plan right now is a good rehabilitation. That's one of my major goals, which is in terms of, um, you know, in terms of uh, my sport career, let's say it that way. And so I'm mainly focusing right now on, uh, you know, getting better, uh, better coach uh, experience, getting way more in-depth all those topics, you know, not just practical, but more like theory. And, uh, you know, basically that thing is uh, in terms of uh, the coaching part. Yeah, in terms of, of course, um, competing, we'll see after that how it will be. It just, uh, you know, really, really fast forward in the future. I don't want to 
think about it right now. It's not even a goal so much right now. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking of it realistically, and it's about small steps that uh, I need to take. You know, it, I know there is a direction, but I don't want to be really specific for the goal. I know the direction. That's important. Yeah. That's nice. So um, I saw under your post about the injury, you also explained to the people, um, yeah, how how it gets fixed and uh, with this animation, uh, how it gets reattached uh, to the to the bone, I think the tendon, right? Yes. Um, and you also talked that um, the you have gymnast friends and um, uh, gymnasts who, who have the same injury. Question: Is it in unavoidable? Um, is it something that everybody is uh, in danger uh, who is doing calisthenics on a really high level to have this kind of injury, or are there ways to to get rid of it fully? Well, first, everybody is in danger. That's for sure. But definitely, it's avoidable. Definitely, it's avoidable. Yeah, that's the thing. And you know, it's uh, some of the things that sometimes I'm getting to the back, and I'm thinking uh, to the bat, and I'm thinking, okay, what could be different? You know, it could be way different. Yeah, I'm accepting the fact that it could be way different if I did, for example, this and this and this. If I was, let's say, more focusing to my trainings instead of other things and so on. Uh, yeah, because uh, as you said, like uh, you know, the more things you handle, the harder it is to actually manage them. And if you're aiming to be a professional athlete, you need to be professional athlete and your full focus to be over there like if you want to compete and you want to be the first guy over there or top three you definitely your full focus should be over there not on let's say so much on business stuff so much on uh, coaching stuff so much on uh, uh, traveling because in the end you find way less time and your focus is outside uh, the sport zone yeah uh, or the you know the the uh, outside your competing career let's say it that way Yeah, but definitely it's uh, avoidable. And uh, as I said, you need to look at uh, first the bigger picture, how you're playing your your training program. Then you need to go deeper and deeper and be sure that everything is fixed because you can have the bigger picture really good fixed. Let's say it that way. You have a really good training program. I know uh, guys that were following a really good training program, but the small things that they were doing inside the training, for example, sometimes uh, you know going for progressions that they're not ready and so on, can lead to injury and problem or also the opposite thing it's possible you know uh you're going pretty reasonable into your trainings like each of the attempts are uh well uh, smart um chosen but your overall structure of the program is missing like you're missing the direction yeah, and that's also a problem like, like it's in general like, like all the things in general in life for example you can have a good direction but if every day you're doing uh bad choices then you're not going to go through that direction or the opposite thing like every day you can try be really strict into some things but if you don't have a good direction then it's not going to work mm -hmm. how do i find the right direction how to find the right direction that's a that's a hard uh hard topic i mean for the majority of the people i see even uh to 25 even 30 years old people i see how they're without any direction some people are without direction for all their life yeah i think i i already found my direction way Uh, way long ago, yeah, but uh, you know, it's something that is really subjective depending on a person and a person, and it's really philosophical and it's maybe a little bit away from the topic of this uh, interview, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true, but it's still like uh, because we both know that uh, the sport is a big part of our personal development, uh, it's like part of our, our personality and our of our uh, of our life uh, these days, and um, I feel that. Um, Yeah, a lot of um, athletes out there are running around without uh, a, 
direction in, in their yep. lives. So this is why um, I was I was thinking like, um, how did you find your your way? Uh, how when did you know? Hey, this is my 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 road, my road to go, my plan um, to 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 follow. Yeah, get it. Uh, well, in fact, majority even of the calisthenics athletes, you see that they're doing the sport just like a side side work. You know, it's not something like um, a really, really important part of their uh, path. I see even on the playgrounds, a lot of uh, kids who are just uh, going for calisthenics, just like they're going for football or for something else. You know, that's part of the of the um, uh, you know of the path because you need to try a lot of things before choosing one. Yeah. And to see in which one you're having a privilege compared to the others. Because you can have a privilege be, um, in accordance to many things. For example, physical uh, qualities. You can be, let's say, uh, light and you can be not so tall. You know, this is still a privilege. So it shows that, okay, you know, this is something that you can choose. You can go for. Uh, mentality. Not everybody has a mentality to continue long term. I see guys who are really motivated for a year and then after that that motivation drops like they don't have any discipline to continue and so on so that's also really important part like uh having the discipline and to have the character to you know to strive for that long time you know and to pick it as a goal or to pick it as something that is uh having a really big um uh influence on your life yeah uh but that's one of the problems and uh you know it's uh also in other areas in life, you see a lot of guys, you know, still not sure whether it's this is the direction or other is the direction. You just need to try and see what are your best qualities. And if you feel that this thing is not for you, just don't go for it. I mean, uh, there are a lot of guys who are, let's say, trying different sports in which they, they don't feel themselves. This is the part, but they're over there just because of the social group or some other uh, factors that's really big factor many athletes are doing uh, many guys are doing certain things because of the social part not because of the thing itself it's important to go for the things itself just like me i mean the recent years i've been training mainly alone because i i enjoy the sport you know i want to be over there fully devoted to the sport it's not so much about you know talking with yours it's also this yeah let's say it that way it's also this but it's not the main focus i'm not over there for the community that's let's say the community is important for part for improving the sport in general but if we're talking about uh, individual goals we need to be definitely specific in our trainings and we need to be individual into our trainings that's important part and that's why our sport is individual just like the gymnastics just like some other let's say fighting sport is individual individual it's you versus you yeah that's maybe also the difference between motivation and discipline um, that, um, yeah, if you're disciplined and if you're like really um, focused on the sport itself, uh, you train also alone. And I see a lot of uh, people, um, let's say, let's call them the average gym guys. Um, they go train when they are have an, have an appointment, when they uh, want to go with their friends, but they don't go alone. They don't go when it rains. They don't go when it's um, uh, holidays and, uh, the, you know, like... Um, and then there is the difference. This is the, the difference between the, the professional athletes and the, the ones who take it serious and the ones who, who just do it for fun. Absolutely. I can say that this is a really a huge sign of, that shows if this thing is for you or it's not for you. If you do it for the thing, specifically for the thing, then that's your part. If, uh, but if you do it for some uh, outside factors that are not so much connected with the sport, like the as we commented, the social group, it means that you're not doing it for that. You're doing it for a social group and 
you know, if uh, uh, something happens with the social group or the other factor, whatever it is, you just change the sport or you just change the uh, the direction, which is definitely not a good thing, especially if you're already 30, 35. I mean, there is no time to do such a thing. You definitely need to find your stuff. Yeah. 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 Sure. And it, also in this type of uh, situation, just as I told you, you, there is no time for depression. There is no time to be negative and to say, oh, how that thing is possible. You need to accept it. There is no time. You need to accept it uh, just from tomorrow to start looking positive of the world and to see what advantages you can get from the situation that you're in right now. That's it. And that's what I always tell everyone. Like, for example, your car breaks down and you can't go to an appointment, but you don't know. You never know what would have happened if your car wouldn't have break down. Maybe you would have had an, uh, a worse accident and stuff. Yeah. You never know what, what this is for. Maybe this is like the, the breakthrough for your coaching career because you, um, you're, you have so much time with yourself. Um, that you have like an idea that you didn't uh, think about before. So you never know what, what, what the good thing is. And maybe the whole biceps could have ruptured and it, like the whole, sh yeah. like you never know. And maybe it's it could be way worse. There's always a reason of uh, the things, you know, there is always a reason. Something happened for a reason. Yeah. We should think That's it that true. way. That's true. But uh, yeah, how do you handle the, the upcoming trips? Um, I see that you're like really, um, let's say. Yeah, disabled. I canceled. I canceled a few trips. Also, you remember I canceled the trip uh, that I had with uh, Garnation uh, because of the situation. Yeah, but uh, it is how it is. I mean, for one month, I'll be in Bulgaria just to, you know, stabilize the situation. And then after that, I continue by the usual way. It's good that when I'm having my trips, I'm mainly judging or I'm mainly uh doing seminars which are not so much involving me to be in my best shape or to perform whatever it is yeah so i can be just over there physical and do the mental part not so much the physical yeah. part yeah like the sport part so yeah i'm, I'm thinking it that way and uh, around december and uh, january over there this time probably i'll start my first steps into the into the skills slowly uh, I also talked with uh, a few guys from our sport that had similar injuries, for example, like Joseph Moro or Vitaly Fechuk that had similar injuries. So just to gain a little bit more experience of how, um, uh, you know, how the process is going, how fast yeah. it's uh, get killed and so on, because it's always good to ask uh, somebody who, who has already went through that path. Mm -hmm. That's a big, big learning. That's the reason, one of the reasons of this podcast. Um, but it's also something I would definitely recommend to everyone is exchanging more with people, uh, who are, um, yeah, who already did the thing you want to do. Uh, same with your coaching. If you really have the goal to do, to go all in with your calisthenics career and become a really athlete with a good structure, um, and working with your advantages, but also with your disadvantages, it makes so much sense to look out for a coach um, who already went through um, the things that you uh, that you're aiming for so yeah it, it's just good for me to see that even the Viktor Kamenov you know like the the the, the legend uh, the statics legend is also like seeking for help and for for um, other opinions and um, experiences because it's just a shortcut it's just a shortcut on and you know more specifically how, what you do what what things um, help in this situation yeah since you said shortcut uh, you know, uh, you always need to bring your ego down because if you feel that you know everything, you're the god, that's actually the biggest shortcut to injuries and you know, uh, big problems. So, you need to boost your injury, uh, you need to bring your uh, ego down and to be open minded, to be accepting a lot of opinions, uh, a lot of uh, experience from the other people because you always can get, gain more experience. Yeah, 
there is doesn't matter if you're the world champion doesn't matter if you're one of the strongest athletes you can always get uh, uh, good lessons from other people and also from your own path that's true and that's uh, what you rarely see from or like yeah it's just important I think it's uh, let's let's keep it like this yeah you talked about um, that the hap that the injury happened during ring training. Um, you, I know yeah. you're a, you're a fan still of uh, training rings. I hope I hope uh, this relation between rings, uh, like this injury, didn't change the relation between you and uh, rings. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm still in love with them, even though uh, we already have a small conflict. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can tell yeah. us uh, about the the benefits or like what do you like about ring training? Why is it so beneficial for you? You know, uh, one of the things is that uh, ring training uh, or the rings in general, if you're, of course, at home, you can always get them with you. You can uh, hang them on a tree. You can hang them on different places. I mean, it's really, um, it has a good utility, let's say it that way. Yeah. Uh, something else is that they're suspended freely, which means that uh, you need to activate your body in a little bit different way. Like you need to uh, activate all your body. For example, the glues, the chest, uh, it's way more unstable which makes it also harder as an execution. And uh, just because of this, I'm always recommending people uh, first to go through other grips before going for rings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically that's one of the reasons that I'm going over there. I just, I, fi I found over there a way to lift my static game over. Yeah, but of course over here, it's important to say that uh, performing skills on the rings doesn't always mean that those skills are harder because it depends on how it's performed on rings because on the rings you can see a lot of uh, gymnastics um, uh, gymnasts who are let's say locking over there in a lot of skills yeah uh, which compared to let's say ground or p bars where the static exercise is executed properly uh, can be definitely way way uh, way easier compared to to the ground and, and the p bars yeah so it's important also how it's executed but let's say if you have uh, the same execution on uh, p bars and rings definitely rings will Uh, you know, give a little bit more points above. Also, as a judging, if I need to judge, judge uh, both of the elements and if see really similar execution, then definitely rings, rings go uh, in front. Mm -hmm. But still, you say rings are, yeah, they are harder. Um, so you would uh, recommend to someone, yeah, unlocking and improving his straddle punch yeah. to first master it on parallels and then go to rings. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a, that's a better case. That's a let's say safer way that's a safer way yeah the same thing also for dips i mean if you're uh, not able to make two dips on a regular you know parallel parallels then it will be way way harder and risky to go directly on the on the rings yeah i remember my first training on rings i was so strong without the rings but when i went just on a regular support nothing else but just support i started like shaking yeah so <laughs> yeah. you definitely see <laughs> you see the difference the difference is so big Yeah, it's true. I always think it's it's so cold in the gym when when I see people shivering, but I, then I realize oh they are doing ring training and they are just uh, yeah. shaking from the from the ring exhaustion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, also something else. Uh, it gives uh, way more freedom. Uh, for example, you can go. We can have a better range of motion for a certain skills. You have the freedom of rotating your grip. For example, when you're on the p bars, you're fixed. You're fixed over there. You have the possibility to adjust the the height of the of the rings you can make them higher or you can make them shorter yeah which uh, of course also makes a difference i mean the shorter it is the easier it is and that's why it's important to also when you're judging when i'm judging to also see those little things and you can't compare 
uh, an Olympic performance on Olympic rings to a performance that is with uh, rings that are, for example, uh, 10 or 15 centimeters tall. Yeah. Uh, your, your favorite elements on rings? Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I have favorites. Uh, Van Gerer. I like a lot Van Gerer, which is back lever to, to full planche. Butterfly or Balandin, it's called Balandin because of uh, Russian athletes who is called Alexander Balandin, who, which is basically from here to a cross to support. And usually this uh, has also some connections with the Maltese. Uh, you can make it, for example, to Maltese, not to a support. You can do it to an inverted cross. Um, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of uh, new also elements over there that are mainly transitions. I like a lot of transitions, not only static, because the statics are, you know, there are several statics, you know, they're Maltese, it's full planche, it's Victorian, it's cross, it's the inverted cross, but it's about the connections that you're making be between those static sets. It makes the game, especially that makes the difference in uh, new gymnastics between the top gymnasts and those who are, you know, uh, average. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I just have to remember, I think it was a photo in our calendar, in our wall calendar, where you had like the inverted uh, cross in the, in the, yeah. in the handstand, which was like uh, super impressive for me. How did you learn the, um, the, the advanced ring skills? Uh, by first mastering them on P-bars and floor, definitely. 2015, I remember having my first Maltese on ground, which was around six, seven seconds. We can consider that having eight seconds is already learned skill. And then after that, I went on the rings. Yeah, that's uh, my approach. Uh, of course, there are some other athletes that went a little bit different way. Yeah, but uh, that's my approach. And you also trained them in a gymnastics gym with a foam pit um, below? I, yeah, I, yeah. I trained in two gymnastic gyms. The first one is the one that uh, is the most known where all the Bulgarians are training. It's already a little bit more, uh, a little bit crowded, so that's why I'm, you know, trying to uh, rarely go there. And we have another gymnastics gym that is for the nationals. Also over there, only the professionals have been also over there training, over there talking with a lot of uh, coaches and uh, uh, professionals, and uh, you know, gaining experience. It's the one way you did your comparison, like what was the ten-year uh, evolution? Uh, yeah, 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 you watch, yeah. you watch it, you watch it. Uh, yeah, I, I went there the last year, uh, and I tried to make the same skills on the same place, on the same spot, and to see the difference. And for sure, it was a, a big difference. And you see that this progress is a, a result of uh, small steps each year. Like each year, I was progressing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It's not like for one year I get all the skills. And it's important, whatever you're progressing in, in your life, to look at that way in the long term and to be sure that each year you're upgrading a little bit because it's risk-reward. It's always risk-reward. Reward. The more reward you get, the bigger risk you have. And that's why you see also other athletes who got hardly injured, who disappeared for a long time, who just uh, risk it a little bit more, just like uh, they say, risk it for a biscuit. So better don't risk it for a biscuit, do it. Do it slowly and uh, do it thoughtful. Do it thoughtful. You have all the time, especially if you're 15, you have all the time. If you're 25, you still have all the time. That's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. It's true. And patience is such a rare skill in today's uh, society and today in our generation. Uh, it's so rare. People are so impatient. They want to do uh, things tomorrow. We get so many messages. Next year, I will become world champion. You will see, uh, you know, like um, they are so impatient. 
Yeah, because of uh, so many outside things that are influencing. You see uh, only the social medias and all those videos that are just five seconds and, uh, you know, making them scroll like crazy, not being patient to watch even 10 uh, second video. Like people I see, they can't even uh, watch one uh, movie already. It's too long. It's too yeah. boring. They want something faster. They want all the information to come faster. And so that thing also affects you, the character, overall character, and goes to the trainings. That's why we see some athletes affected by that and some athletes having this type of approach in their trainings. Yeah, not warming up, going directly for hard skills, looking at some guy on Instagram, let's say a world champion doing this and or that, and he's saying, okay, let's go directly for that. I'm going to skip the planche. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. These are important things to mention, an important yeah. problem in our society, as you said. And in our sports concerning injuries, um, yes. because yeah, as you said, risk reward ratio is, uh, like the, the risk of getting injured. If you, uh, you know, like it, I don't know, what is your opinion? What is the perfect, um, days per week to work out? Is it enough to do three, four workouts? Is it important if you want to get to the top to do seven workouts per week or like even twice a day, like many, many people uh, say like, um, uh, first depends on the level we need to talk, uh, for what level we're uh, having in mind. So if we're talking about beginner, a guy who has never done anything, um, I would say three times a week is totally fine because they need a lot of time to recover from a training to a training. All that soreness, you know, just the first steps are really hard and they need to go through that pain and they need to also emotion emotionally, uh, uh, emotionally uh, take the fact that they're starting with something new, let's say that way. Uh, but for more advanced athletes, I think uh, five times a week, something like this is uh, totally fine. I will not suggest going for seven times a week for uh, several reasons. And the most important is that you can't recap yourself uh, unless you're on steroids. You can go for seven times a week. I was with seven times a week, but I can't say that all those were, the, were with a high intensity. So, for example, I had two days which I was... Um, which I was um, considering them as a rest day, which were just really light trainings that were with a 10% intensity compared to uh, to the other trainings. So that's a good way to go for because those little days will keep you engaged uh, and uh, will make your body not sleep. Because um, I've been in a situation, for example, when I'm traveling and I'm judging and all these kind of things, uh, and I hardly find a time to do those little uh, activational parts and I'm not training for two, three days. Then I went, when I come back to the, uh, to the training, I feel like I'm strong, but I'm missing the activation. Like I can't engage all my body simultaneously. I'm having no synchron between, uh, between the, uh, uh different activations. Yeah. Uh, so I need some more time to, let's say to warm up and so on. So that's why it's important. Like even in a rest day, be sure that you're doing some light work, whether it will be plank, whether it will be posterior pelvic tilt position, whether it will be planche leans, whether it will be some weight work, like just some positions that are imitating the the static skills or whatever skills that you want to deal with, but to be sure that uh, you're doing something, you're doing something, you're not sleeping, you're not watching TV uh, uh, all the time, you're not uh, having your time lazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you train five times per week, um, do you get sore? How do you deal with uh, soreness? Uh, well, I was in a situation in which I was not getting that much sore, maybe a little bit, a little bit, because, uh, you know, after doing statics for 
I can say over eight years. Yeah, I was not starting from the beginning, but uh, I started really feeling like a god for some skills. For example, for Maltese, I started feeling that I can do every day and I'll not have any soreness. You know, it's uh, just a skill that uh, I was uh, I was uh, really getting used to. And in comparison to a leg training, because after I injured myself right now, I'm focusing more on legs workout. Yes. Yeah. But I feel that after just a really light training that is nothing compared to my trainings for upper body, I need three days to recover. You see the difference. Mm -hmm. It's so much different because I was not used to those type of trainings. Yeah. I was always doing legs, but this time I'm just focusing a little bit more on the legs. Yeah. So it's and, all about routine and getting used to the, the yeah. workload and the exercises. Yeah, and uh, when I'm talking uh, about legs, you see we're going back to the topic of looking at the things, po of the things positive and whatever situation you are bad, you need to look at it as a uh, possibility to start something new. So in my case, it was this. You see, you need to uh, take it as an advantage. Nothing else to do. Yeah, That's true. So soon we will not see you only uh, benching 130, 140 kg, but also squatting. So you're becoming more like a power lifter now. Oh, you know, it's never, it has never been my um, aim or <laughs> something that I really wanted. Yeah, but why not? Why not put it in the, uh, in the inventory? Yeah. For me, your bench press is really impressive, like uh, considering your weight and uh, seeing that the elite uh, bench, like the elite bench presses, let's call them, uh, they are really heavy and uh, they often have like a, a belly, the powerlifting belly, uh, as, I, as I call it, yeah. but, uh, like considering your weight, uh, that's crazy. Like what is your bench one rep max? 140 uh, on uh, almost 67, 8 kilograms, something like this. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, almost twice the weight, um, but I also put a lot of effort over there. It was not coming just from calisthenics. Uh, I also put a lot of effort. I was training bench press for three uh, three years, uh, but not so much consistency one time a week, but still enough to get to this type of results. Mm -hmm. Did it help you with your planche progress? That's really, really interesting and common question. People ask me so much about it but uh, i'll not make so much connections between uh, those of the uh, those two skills i'll give you an example 2017 uh, was the time in which i already had a strong planche i already had 36 seconds of a full planche and i went to the gym and i had a uh, hundred or 90 something uh, bench press so you see it was nothing so much impressive of course it influenced somehow uh, of course it had some um, pluses it gave some pluses for the bench press but um, uh, I can say I put it a lot of effort after that to really bring it to 140. And, uh, in order to really compare it, we need to look at the position of the body when performing both of the skills. So in a planche, you have a protraction. While in a bench press, you have a retraction, you open your chest. So basically the two moves, even though they both are push, they're really different. So, uh, they don't have so much connection. And that's why they're also, um, uh, not helping each other so much. You can be you can be a really strong plancher, but still be weak in a in a bench press. And and I've seen a lot of guys who are really strong in a planche, but hardly benching ninety. Yeah, which ninety is still a lot if we consider the average person. Yeah. Is it the same thing with planche push-ups? Because it's it's like more more the movement. Are there people uh, you mean who are uh, really good in planche push-ups, full planche push-ups, for example, but they are weak in bench press? Yeah, of course. 
uh, because in a planche push-up, if you're especially performing them with protraction all the time, because there are two ways to do a planche push-up. Many say this is wrong or this is uh, right. You can't say if it's wrong or right. You can say which one is harder or easier. But uh, the most common way that uh, you see planche push-ups are done is by keeping the protraction all the time. So when you're down in your lowest point, you're having a protraction. When you're in your highest point, you're still having a protraction, which is exactly the opposite of the bench press, where all the time over there with a the retraction. Yeah, you can also perform the planche push-ups by protracting on the top and retracting yourself in the bottom. But that means that you need to make one additional move, which is the transition between the retraction to protraction somewhere hidden inside the push-up. That's something that a lot of people are not having, in fact, and, uh, you know, and are really not looking at it, but it's a really great factor. And is the bench press anyways uh, an exercise which you would recommend to calisthenics athletes to supplement their, their workout with? Or is it just because you no, like it and you enjoy not it? Not at all. Not at all. You know, you can always add it, uh, even if it's not helping yourself directly. If it helps you mentally just to desertify your trainings and to really put something more interesting into your trainings, then go for it. Because sometimes there are things that are not directly affecting your goals, but they're helping you just because you start feeling better. You know, you're not getting bored from a planche, planche, and planche because if you're totally focused on planche, it doesn't mean that you get stronger in a planche. You know, sometimes you need to be sure that you're having some things that are uh, making the training program a little bit more interesting, whether it's dynamics, whether it's some uh, fitness work, whether it's legs, whether it's uh, even something outside the sport. Mm -hmm. So this is more about enjoying and not, not losing consistency, not losing, losing yeah. the fun. fun. And uh, also this topic leads me to something else, which is don't be dependent on one thing. So, for example, if you're having a lot of hobbies, or you, for example, like doing legs, or you do, you have a lot of interest. When you're in a situation like this, in which you can't perform your planche anymore, you're not going to be that. You're not going to be totally dismotivated. It's like sitting on a chair that has only one leg or sitting on a chair that has four or even more legs. And I recommend having a lot of legs. Because if you have only one leg, you'll be unable to be planching and you'll be not sure where you're going in your life. That's why you need to have a lot of broad broad interest in life whether it's even uh, your uh, whether it's only sport interest whether it's outside the sport like even a lot of goals in order to be sure that you're not gonna risk it all yeah it's true it's uh, definitely true and uh, for example not falling into a depression with uh, such an injury is is really important because if you depend your whole life on on and your identity is i am the planche man you know as it could be with you but you also have the coaching you also have like yeah. more things in life which is really important in such a situation um on the other hand i see a lot of people it's this uh, the question in my opinion are you a generalist or are you a specialist um and uh, a lot of people out there have difficulties on choosing for one path like we talked already in the beginning that um choosing for one path and in, in, in some point of in life is important when you're 40, let's say, you should have found your path in life and um, you should, should know what you're going after and where you put your focus on. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, uh, it's important to also not go for too many uh, legs of the chair, so yeah. if you know what I mean, uh, because it's getting to the other problem that we discussed uh, earlier. Because if you have a lot of things that you're doing, you're basically not a specialist into any and you can't be the best at any. So what I meant is more like, okay, my direction is sport, but... I'm not mainly dependent on my sport performance. I'm not gaining money mainly from competing because 
if I got that thing mainly from competing, I'm just finished. You know, yeah. you need to be sure that you're having a lot of, let's say, sort of interest, sort of income, just to be desertified among different uh, uh, different uh, things. Mm-hmm. But not That's too true. much desertified. Yeah, it uh, always has uh, its own borders. Yeah, its own borders. That's true. Nice. Um, yeah, interesting topic so far. Um, we um, have some new, a new idea. Uh, some it's called uh, facts or fake. Uh, so fact or fake. So basically, I'm s- saying a statement, and then you have to say, is it a fact for you or is it a fake? Okay, um, let's go. And I'm, But I'm you want starting, you want yeah. it to say fast. You want to say it fast, uh, true or false, or I can go in more details. No, you can go in more details. It's it's okay. no speed. Okay, okay, uh, because it's really hard sometimes to say if it's uh, true or not because it's always it depends. So you yeah. need to add. You need to add. That's true. It's like yeah. uh, extreme extremist. Like I don't know. It's not all the things I will say. Maybe they are not all. Maybe they are true, fake or fact. But it's uh, I know you. I know that you always see the positive. Everything in life has positive and negative things. So nothing is black or white. But um, yeah, let's let's kick off. Um, yeah. The most important uh, important planche for planche are strong shoulders. Oh, I would say it's a function of a lot of muscles. You can't say it's the most important. Also, shoulders. I mean, uh, you know, if you look at the mechanics of the shoulders, it's way more complicated than just saying, "Okay, shoulder is just one muscle." Yeah, but uh, if you think about it, shoulder is the the part that is the most far away from the weight center which means that is the one that is the most vulnerable. Yeah, and that's why you see a lot of guys are getting injured just like me. Yeah, but uh, I would say that uh, for planche, it's more important, you know, how overall you're working with your own muscle. You know, it's a function of a lot of uh, uh, muscles. For example, you have activation of core, you have glutes activation. Uh, even glutes are having part into the into the planche. Uh, you have your back in order to make the protraction. You, you have a lot of. You need to have uh, developed back muscles. You need to everything. Be sure that you're activating at one time. And I see that sometimes people are, for example, lacking of that thing. They need a little bit more time to, let's say, activate the posterior pelvic tilt, but they're having a good protraction or the opposite thing, and so on. So yeah, it's about um, all body parts to be working together simultaneously. It's like soldiers. You're having soldiers that they all need to work. Yeah, you may have one really strong soldier, let's say the shoulder, but if it's only him, it's not gonna, it's gonna gonna really work. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. it's you, if you only count on that shoulder, then you increase the risk of uh, injuring it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, so is there a, a pattern that you see? Because if I think of of the planche, for example, I see that there are thousands, tens of thousands of. Uh, young uh, calisthenics athletes, beginners out there who are stuck with their tuck planche, which uh, doesn't have a good protraction, and they sometimes try a straddle planche, but they can't extend the legs. They fall fall into the shoulder. So it's like a prototype, like I don't know, a, a stereotype. That's the right <laughs> word, a stereotype that I have in my yeah. head. Like, well, first after the planche, there is no need to go darkly for a straddle planche. <laughs> that's that's one of the things. I mean, it's a really fast progression. It depends on your uh, body. I mean, if you're a taller guy, then then definitely you need to go slower between progression and progression. If you're shorter, if you're lighter, you see that guys are often uh, skipping really fast the progression and they're still somehow making it. Yeah, but uh, even if uh, you're having the best uh, physics, it's important really to have that thing in mind and, you know, you have your own speed. Yeah, um, 
other problem is that uh, you said it you're not having they're not having a good protraction into the, the planchion they go for af for the progressions after so you're still not done with a certain progression and you're going for a progression after that you're hardly holding the planche for four seconds with a protraction and you're expecting yourself to be doing advanced tuck for three seconds with a good protraction. There is no way, there is no logical way that thing to happen. So you need to be sure that you're laying down really good foundation before that thing. You're having that tuck planche for around eight seconds. You're having a good form over there, good protraction, good activation. And then after that, the chance to hold it with again a decent form with a little bit more open body is bigger. Then after that is uh, one of the reasons why so many people are also stuck uh, stuck in a tuck planche is that they're they're doing only tuck planche. They're not doing all those complementary additional exercises uh, that uh, usually gymnastics are doing into the uh, you know into the big sport that are more for the activation of the core of the glutes, like all the parts that are down that are usually sleeping in a tuck planche. Because in a tuck planche, mainly what we're focusing over there is protraction and keeping that angle between the arms and the upper body as big as possible yeah and uh, that's another reason you know so first inconsistency and the other thing is just too much concentration on that tick planche and not doing anything additional to that thing yeah and the third thing is just uh, needs time it requires time for some people it just requires more time than others yeah would you say you have been lucky with your genetics uh, with your physics yeah, yeah, I don't want to complain about anything. I mean, in this life, you need to be grat uh, grateful for whatever it is. So even if I was two meters high, I would still tell you that I'm grateful that, you know, at least I have two hands, you know. But yeah. definitely, I have a better genetics than, uh, than many guys taller than me and, uh, let's say, uh, uh, heavier than me. But uh, also, I know guys that are with better genetics than me. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, it's not about only this thing. It's about how you proceed with the progress because you can have way better genetics i've seen so many good guys with a good genetics with a good future on the playground even like seven eight years ago and they went to several injuries and uh, you know lack of motivation and they stopped way before me and even they had a better uh body composition than me you know they didn't continue it mm -hmm. so consistency structure uh, making some thoughts analyzing listening to your body uh, all these things play into account, I think. Yeah, and it's important something else, not only to say those things and say, okay, I know them, but actually to make them yeah. or to even write them on your on your wall. You know, behind my bed, I have written some things, especially after the injury. You know, this and this and this, like this thing always to be in front of you and to be sure that uh, it's working here. You know, because we're all we're often saying, okay, bro, I know that I need to warm up or I know that I need to have a consistent training program. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's there is a difference between knowing and applying. Mm -hmm. That's that's true. And if I appreciate something about you, I mean, there are multiple things, but uh, you're like really a doer and you're, you're somebody who is making things. And uh, I know you're uh, you're not just talking, but uh, you are you're finishing the things that you say. And uh, I think this is also part of your success in the sport, not only in, in coaching and our project. Thanks for that, man. Thanks for that. You know, I'm trying sometimes happens problems like this one over here. But I even uh, thought recently that, okay, it's a really bad injury, but I've been training 11 years. So for 11 years, that's the only injury that I had, like a really big one. Yeah, it could be better if I had no injury at all. But uh, if I was training in a way more superior way, I should have had that injury way, uh, way um, earlier. earlier. Yeah. Way earlier. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
Okay, um, next fake fact of or fake gymnastics is for uh, calisthenics is gymnastics for weak people. I would say another way. Um, calisthenics is an alternative for people who hasn't been doing the gymnastics before, but they always want it. I would say it that way. It's not for weak people because what it means weak, weak mentally, weak, weak physically, weak physically. If it's physically, I would not say weak or physically because like you know, we have a lot of. Uh, Athletes in our sport that are even stronger than majority of the uh, of the gymnasts, gymnasts, because gymnasts are strong on the rings. If you take uh, the uh, other gymnasts on the other, uh, for example, floor, other equipment, or uh, bar, high bar over there, you see that they're having different qualities than strength. You see, they're having agility, they're having endurance, they're having technique over there. So uh, I'll definitely not use the word strong strong uh, or weak whatever it is yeah but i would say it's alternative for a lot of people who have who has always wanted to make something similar to gymnastics who have seen themselves to be talented in area like gymnastics but it's already too late because i remember i was uh 2014 15 i was already 16 years old and i wanted to start doing gymnastics by the way yeah yeah but all the coaches were telling me man it's too old uh, it's too late because your flexibility everything like technique like to that age, you should have had way more qualities that you're not having. Like, where have you been sleeping? Why you haven't been training <laughs> earlier? Yeah. And I said, okay, okay, you see, then I'll go calisthenics. I'll win it. I'll win it there. Yeah, I'll become way stronger. Yeah. And I, I made it another way, you see. It's an alternative. And uh, I think it's way better because uh, you always need to compare apples with apples. So, um, you know, if I went to gymnastics, the possibilities of having really high results was going to be way less. For example, comparing with Chinese guys who's been uh, training from T3 years old, who has the crazy uh, technique, crazy flexibility, mobility and everything, you know, coaches and so on. While in uh, our sport, I'm more like comparing to people who are with the same history like me, the same destiny. Yeah. So my question would be: do, Would you be at a higher, higher level? Imagine uh, a coach when you have been uh, when you were 16 uh, would have said, "Yeah, Victor, let's go into coaching. I, I will coach you." Would you be at a higher level today, or um, at a lower level, or just different? How, how would it how would it look like with the with your same history? You mean if I started uh, coaching earlier? If you started uh, taking the gymnastics coach at 16, if someone ah, 16. would have said, yeah. you, you never know. You never know." It's uh, hard to say these uh, assumptions, but for sure, I don't think I was going to be the best gymnast on the ranks just because of all those additional skills that you need to have different from the statics itself. Yeah, I can be really strong on, on the rings in, in statics, but if I'm lacking of some other qualities, then it's really hard to get to the gold. For example, Yuri Van Gelder, you know, many, many guys are, you know, admiring him. I'm also admiring him. But for example, he's, an, uh, he's a guy who is really strong in the static game. But he was not the best into, let's say, the dismount in the end. He was not the best into the little swings that he needs to do in between uh, the rings workout, uh, the, 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 the static elements, yeah, and so on. So in the end, it's uh, just a sum of all the things that you've been doing all your set. And if you have a really strong static, it's still not going to uh, make the scores that you need to, to actually get for the gold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, next fact or fake. Ankle weights are a great tool to improve your statics. Ankle weights are a great tool to make a static harder while in the same time um, make your, let's say, path to the workout place uh, 
pretty convenient in order not to wear too much weight. Yeah, but if I need to uh, choose between ankle weights or a weight that I can put around my weight center, I'll always go for the ones that are around the weight center because I'm actually, um, uh, by putting them on the weight center, I'm keeping the same proportion between the back and the front. Yeah, and if I put them on my ankles, then it means that slowly I'll shift my weight center slower, uh, lower also. Yeah, and that will lead to a little bit different angle between the arms and the upper body and so on. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, we don't have an option at all. And uh, it's better just to put some ankle weights in your uh, back, in your pocket and, and go off to train. That's also mm -hmm. a, an option, yeah. But if we need to look at really way more professional, all those equipment that are making your execution harder or easier, they need to be acting on your weight center. You know, dream machine. That's actually helping you to make the exercise um, easier. Uh, resistant band, the resistant band that uh, 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 we're often using on the bars outside. We're positioning them, positioning them on the weight center around the belly. Weights that are making the opposite thing. They're making the skills harder. Also, if it's possible to put them with a the belt, and uh, you can put the belt, you can put those ankle weights on the belt. That's something that I did before. So we can still, let's say go for weights but you can put one belt and you can do you can put those ankle weights on the belt and then after that you have really really good effect of course it will be not so much harder as uh, putting it on the legs because the lower it is the harder it is yeah but uh, it will have a little bit better effect on uh, you know keeping that proportion between uh, uh, front and back weights mm -hmm. makes sense um fact or fake Every calisthenics athlete should use protein powder. Uh, what your goals are? I mean, you want to get bigger. You want to get uh, back to a shape, recover really good, or you want to make statics. So in my case right now, not only protein powder, I'm also getting some supplements, you know, really to get my uh, recovery faster. Uh, but, you know, if you don't have um, your go to really be bigger or to put some mass and so on i uh, i personally believe that uh, you can get a lot of the things uh, naturally from the food but also depends on the edge the older you get uh the more uh outside things you need to, you need to uh, to get from different from the fruit from the food source yeah um but uh, again it, it depends like in as i said in my case for example i'm getting uh, collagen uh, mm. uh magnesium and uh, vitamin c and also some other um, uh, supplements, yeah, that will uh, help me, yeah, and uh, also I feel like after recovering, uh, I'll still continue with some of them, yeah, because as I said, with the age, it's good to actually get some additional help, yeah. So in general, it depends on the goal. If you want to get bigger, for sure. Also, it's important to look at the protein source of, uh, you know, whether it's a good protein source because some uh, some supplements are a lot of marketing and you don't know what's inside in it. So if you need to choose between a lot of protein. Uh, with uh, uncertain, um, uncertain, um, how it's called, ingredients. Uh, ingredients. Let's say it that way, uh, or less protein, but from a place that, uh, but but you know that they're good quality. Better go for less because uh, uh, health is in front of everything else. That's mm -hmm. true. And longevity. Same with patients again. Uh, same with uh, you, uh, like uh, steroids and stuff. Um, a lot mm. of people sacrifice long-term health uh, and longevity, like living yeah. a long, fulfilled life for short-term gains. Also, protein powder. Uh, we talk about uh, what amount. 
mm, because there have been so many studies and they're controversial. Like you need this amount of protein or, or you need more or less and uh, how much you can actually absorb, your body can absorb. And uh, a lot of studies are influenced by the marketing and uh, by the industry. So, you know, it's a topic that is uh, really deep and it probably uh, deserves a whole podcast. Sure. But in general, I would be interested in this. How do you deal with um, having two different facts? Like, how do you uh, decide to go for, for one? Because there are so many things where you have different opinions, different opinions from athletes, different studies uh, who say the exact opposite things. How do you find for yourself in life the, the, right, um, the right source of the truth? That's a really good question. Well, the first thing is to look at as many... Uh, sources if possible. For example, my current situation with, with, with the injury, what I did, I went to five doctors. Yeah, a lot of them uh, told me that they can't make the surgery because of the vacation, as I told you, but all of them told me that I need to make a surgery. So if five doctors are telling you this, then it means that you definitely need to make it. Yeah. So the same thing, like, yeah, of course, you can go for the studies or for whatever, uh, for whatever we're talking. I mean, you can apply that thing in uh, many others, um, many other uh parts in life yes but you definitely need to look at a lot of uh, a lot of source a lot of information and to sort yourself like not to look at only one source and say okay that is it yeah and the other thing is look at the professionals look at those who are actually better than you and uh, see how they made it for example if you really admire uh, mm, really top athletes over there that is making it all that has never been injured that uh, is making cold against you just start seeking for What is his way? Okay, maybe for him, this was working. Okay, go for another athlete. See how the things are going. Like, be uh, skeptical for whatever people are telling you and be sure that you're having a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions, a lot of information that you can put on the table and in the end decide. That is it, how you can deal with whatever problem in life. And the good thing is that whatever we're talking in this podcast, it uh, also can be implied in whatever it is. I mean, the injury, yeah, that's a bad situation, but you can have really bad situation in also other other aspects, whether it's a relationship, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's finance, whether it's health, whether it's sports, you see, you need to, there are some principles that you, you always follow, principles. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, if you are really strong in planche, uh, if you can do a full planche, you can also do a full front lever. No. Well, <laughs> no, no, for sure. Uh, and a good um, instance for that is so many strong gymnasts on the rings that are barely holding a front lever because they don't need it. They've never been doing a front lever. Yeah. I mean, uh, the mechanics are totally different between the two moves. You have first pulling movement, then you have a pushing movement. You have a scapula, different scapula position. You have retraction, you have protraction. Yeah. Maybe also there's some, con uh, not maybe, Certainly, there are some connections, you know, like the glutes engagement, the core engagement, there are some connections. And for sure, if you're doing a front lever, it will help you way more uh, in a plunge than not doing it at all, than not doing any. Yeah. But um, there are different skills and I'll not make so much big connection between both of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last fact or fake, leg workouts destroy your statics progress. Legs workout. Uh, we're going back to the topic of the... Uh, front and back ratio of the weight because it's really similar to the to the ankle weights. The stronger weights you ca uh, legs you have, the more you go to the 
to the same training like you're using weights uh, weights on your mm-hmm. ankles because you're shifting your weight center lower and lower. Yeah. Uh, so from a physical point of view, it should be actually harder. Yeah. But also there are some other studies that are saying that it's uh, overall increasing your testosterone, which is benefiting for uh, your men's strength. So if you're training legs, it can also benefit for your upper upper part of the body. Yeah. And if you get stronger in your upper part of the body, uh, in fact, uh, the minus that you get from just having a stronger less can be uh, subtracted with the plus that is coming with uh, with those gains in the upper body and overall increasing your testosterone. But it's subjective over here, but I would say for sure, if you have really big legs, it will be hard for you to go for a planche. I've seen so many guys, for example, freerunners or people who've been for a long time in a gym with really, really big, big weights on your on their legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, majority of the of the weight is in the lower part of the body. I see how they're struggling in the beginning. A better option is to be a little bit more balanced and to slowly getting into, let's say, the the planche. And once you get stronger in the planche, then after that, start going for a legs. That's a little bit better way, better approach. Uh, because as a beginner with a really uh, heavy legs, it will be really a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is how it is. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So I hope next time we see each other that I will recognize you. Um, I hope that uh, your legs will not double the size. But um, yeah, uh, that's we'll a good see. joke. That's a good joke. Hopefully, not triple the size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Just uh, just for some small conditioning. Yeah, and shifting the focus for a while. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, one last topic. I we just um, we're just we were just uh, yeah talking about it for fun, having a fun discussion in the office. But question: um, Who would win in a Burning Gate statics competition? Uh, you in your prime, or uh, Daniel Christoph in his uh, like current um, current state? Who would win the competition? Well, for uh, Burning Gate, he will win because of the completeness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, when we're saying who is stronger, uh, that's really common question people ask. Okay, who is stronger? We need to spe- be more specific on what we mean. Yeah. Bench for press. example, for a yeah <laughs> the bench press or a front lever or yeah, but in ma- majority of the time we're talking about completeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you can have a stronger planche or a stronger front lever, but if another guy is way more complete than you, then he will win. Or we can have two guys that are almost equally. Uh, uh, equally complete. Then we come with the other factor, which is who is the guy who has more endurance than the other guy. Yeah, you see, you can be stronger in the beginning of the training than uh, one guy, but just after 10 minutes, your strength will go down. Yeah, which is really important for a competition. Yeah, but uh, fast answer to this question, he'll win because of the com- uh, of the completeness. Yeah, but because of his front lever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thanks for clarifying. I will tell that to the others. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Yeah, but but uh, don't forget, don't forget. The next year is coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I wish yeah. you just just the best that uh, everything works smoothly uh, with uh, attaching, uh, reattaching the biceps, that everything uh, goes well. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to make a, a chat with you. Yes. All the best. Thanks for your time, and uh, we stay in touch, Victor. Thank you, man. Thank you. See you.